inside, Kempe dishes in front, another sliding head saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, head save, Robin Lerner, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, rolling right along here. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Stormy Bon and Tony, our special guest co-host for the day. Stormy, have you enjoyed your time on this program so far? You know, I I don't know. I don't want to pump your tires too big. Don't want to get you guys <laughs> a little to it. No, I've had a blast. Honestly, you guys are so fun. Even the times that we get to talk in the commercial breaks, uh, it's that could be a show in itself. This has been a lot of fun, and I'm not typically a radio person. All my broadcasting is usually doing kind of sideline reporting and occasional hosting, but not on the radio side. So just getting to kind of talk a little bit more freely has been a lot of fun. You know, it, it's always interesting because radio gives you freedom, right? Like, and, and it's really one of those things where you can get as into the weeds as you'd like to, or you can kind of continue to bring it back and be succinct. But like, in terms of, of radio for me, like, I just love the idea of open-ended segments, uh, more or less like what we did in, the, in that first segment where you have an idea, you have a topic, it's a little bit hypothetical, but you just get to run with it and dig in a little bit. And it, it usually leads to some of those those segments where you look up at the clock and you're like, wow, 30 minutes went by. I cannot believe yep. it went that quickly. Yep, and I'm, I so, know I'm not as argumentative as Darren, but I, I do Well, get that's a good way. thing. <laughs> that's definitely a good thing. Oh, uh, Darren, um, we I, we almost won a whole show without mentioning Darren's name. It's a little Can't weird. By the way, did you uh, anyway. see the pictures that he he's posted from Tokyo? He posted ones of the uh, like a bunch of bullet trains all lined up together. I'm like, man, I'm so jealous he's in Tokyo. Um, I have not, but I also don't follow Darren on Instagram, so maybe that's my problem. I should probably <gasps> oh, look into that. Oh, them's his fighting words. I, I think he put them no, on Twitter. No, no, no. Maybe maybe Twitter. Listen, I, I don't think they were on listen, Instagram. I, I follow Darren on Twitter. Um, he and I interact on Twitter. I feel like that's that's where everyone gets their information anyway. So yeah. I, I feel like we're good. And that's I enough, like I think. totally fine. Too much Darren yeah, is like I, overkill. <laughs> that's a very, very true statement, Chapman. Maybe the, the truest you've ever spoken on this show. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Bring in Shang Pang with San Jose Hockey now as he joins the show to chat with us about the offseason outlook for the Sharks as well as what he's heading looking or what he's expecting heading into the expansion draft. Hey, Shang, I know it's been a while since we've chatted. How you doing, buddy? Hey, pretty good. How are you guys doing? You know, I'm good. Um, I, I'm not going to speak for Stormy, but I think we're all really, really excited about uh, the expansion draft, the Seattle Kraken, what this offseason is going to bring. But I, I guess kind of where I want to start with you is the San Jose Sharks, a team that has uh, some some pretty pretty bad contracts going into um, an offseason where you can just call them awful. They... Okay, they're <laughs> awful contracts, and we'll get into a lot of them. But, like, what are the biggest uh, areas that, that the Sharks need to figure out this offseason? How can this team improve between now and the beginning of next year? Well, first got to say it's uh, easy to be excited about an expansion drop when you're not giving up anybody, right? <laughs> yeah. But, right, that's but anyway... Listen, uh, 
Uh, well, hold on. I will argue that <laughs> that if you can find a way to convince Seattle to take like three of those terrible contracts, then you guys are in business. It's actually a good thing. <laughs> but I guess more to, more to your point, your exact question about how. Uh, San Jose can improve from now to the beginning of the season. Um, well, Doug Wilson has identified uh, that they need to improve in goal, and that's been pretty uh, uh, obvious the last three years. Uh, we know, I know why they stuck with Martin Jones all over this time and kept giving him chance after chance, um, track record and big contracts, but um, seems like they're going to move on from that, and also they want to add a third-line center, um, a veteran third-line center. And so these are two key areas that will help the team. Uh, how much it helps the team, uh, who knows? And, of course, you know, it doesn't really help with the big contract, except for, you know, buying out uh, Joneses. But Jones is the, you know, the, the, the least bad of all the, the awful contracts. I know we're doing a lot of looking forward right now with, with the draft coming up and everything, but just given the kind of way that everything went down last season and maybe even just the last two years in general, in your mind, just what's kind of gone wrong for the San Jose Sharks over the last two years? I think a lot of it is just a lack of depth in, 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 in uh, their, kind of their middle six. That's a big part of it. Uh, so lack of forward depth, uh, you know, poor goaltending to begin with. I mean, it already was poor in 2018-19 when they made it to the conference finals. You know, they made it to the conference finals. And finished second in the Pacific, despite Martin Jones boarding uh, a sub uh, ninety save percentage. And uh, finally, it just you know the the, the established stars, uh, Eric Carlson, Logan Couture, Brent Burns, uh, either drop off in play or injuries. And so that all kind of happened, just a kind of a, a, a perfect storm of a lot of things going wrong that I don't think uh, Doug Wilson predicted, uh, or he you know, wouldn't have signed uh, Eric Carlson to uh, you know, met the maximum contract that he did in the summer of 2019. You know, Shang, you mentioned kind of moving, uh, moving in a different direction from Martin Jones. Are you expecting him to be bought out? I think that's the only path they have if they want to get... It's the most logical path if they want to get better next year because... Um, you need to improve your goaltending. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, you ha- if you don't buy out Martin Jones, though, you have just about, you know, I think like uh, uh, $7 million of, of, of cap space. Um, and, yeah, you, you can you can get another goalie and you can get a third-line center with that. But if you buy out Jones, or you suddenly open up uh, three more million of cap space. And that includes, of course, that buyout penalty, too. But three more million of cap space, that's pretty valuable when, uh, you know, you're not starting with a lot of cap space to begin with. And so if you're trying to be better right now, which is, you know, and, you know, of course we have to take what GM say with a grain of salt. But if we are to believe what Doug Wilson is saying, then the most logical thing to do is to buy out Jones. Um, if you're instituting a, a, a rebuild or a stealth tank, I've heard it called, um, then, yeah, maybe it makes sense to keep Jones then because if you're going to be bad, then they'll just keep them. But uh, I tend to think that the, the Sharks, when they say the word, the Sharks have said, we're doing a reset. And they've been very careful about saying, and they've even differentiated, you know, the difference between a reset and a rebuild. So if they're really doing a reset uh, and they want to make it to the playoffs next year, which is, uh, you know, again, what Doug Wilson has said, uh, then the most logical thing to do is to buy out Jones and get that cap space. And, of course, you're going to have that cap uh, hit penalty uh, in years four through six of the buyout because Jones has three years left. Uh, but at that point, you're hoping that the you know the cap is rising once again, and you kind of stomach that uh, that, uh, that that penalty event. 
Yeah, it's no secret. It's It was a tough year with Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik. It, are there any names uh, as far as goaltenders go that stand out to you that you think could be potential fits and, and good gets for the San Jose Sharks? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this uh, this this market uh, um, of goalies is is very very deep. I think this isn't even counting the, the guys in in Vegas, right? Like if they do uh, move on from Flurry or, or Leonard, you know, I'm mean, I'm assuming that those guys might be too expensive for San Jose's case. But you have a lot of mid range guys that you know might be able to step in and 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 take on a larger role. Guys like. Uh, Rieger, uh, guys like uh, Olmark, right? I might come in at the three million-ish cap uh, cap hit range. Um, so those are a couple guys. A guy like a, a Freddie Anderson in Toronto uh, has been pretty much as good as a uh, a Leonard or Flurry. Maybe not quite as good, but you know, a, a true starting caliber goalie uh, who obviously uh, had a, uh, a injury plight year this year, uh, but has a, a very nice track record. And you know, a lot of people say that if you can get away from Toronto <laughs> and um, just the media attention there and the fan attention there that that'll be good for his game. You know that's a you know very real thing with, with him based on what I've heard. So so you know getting him into a, a market like a San Jose would would probably be beneficial for a guy like that. Uh, those are just a few of the guys, and then you have other guys who are maybe not as uh, not going to be as sought sought after, but uh, you would still pretty much expect a high performance from them because they're pretty good at least one A types. You know they may not be true number one starter types, but. Uh, uh, Jonathan Bernier uh, just uh, comes to mind, and a few other uh, uh, James Reimer, a few other kind of UFAs of of, of that ilk. So there's going to be, uh, uh, you know, while there are a lot of teams looking to kind of shuffle their goaltending uh, this off season, there also seems, also seems to be a lot of uh, decent candidates at reasonable prices. Shang Peng with San Jose Hockey Now is joining us as we address some of the interesting topics surrounding the San Jose Sharks, what they're going to do in the offseason. And I want to entertain the idea of, of a reset as opposed to a mm-hmm. rebuild. And it, it's it's interesting because while you you don't want to, to spend too much time missing the playoffs, you don't want to have those big periods of time, when I look at San Jose and I look at their roster and I look at at the age of of some of these players, like how do you envision getting a reset? How do you envision putting the pieces together to make the playoffs next year when you've got Eric Carlson at eleven and a half million dollars who looks like a shell of his of his former self? You've got Brent Burns not getting any younger, Mark Edward Vlasic not getting any younger. Is it simply hoping that some of the younger players within the organization take a step? I think it's a combination of a, of, a, of, a, of a number of things. But first, you do have to um, improve the foundation, and that's your goaltending. You know, it doesn't matter what how well, you know, the team defense in Joe, Martin Jones' defense hasn't been great around in the last few years, but Jones has also been poor. And so plenty of games uh, in, the, in the past year or so where the Sharks have played well. We've seen games against Vegas where Sharks have played well, but then they get... You know, they, 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 they get dragged down by that one bad goal that Jones gives up, be it late middle of the game or early in the game, you know, things like that, right? So you need to improve that uh, foundationally. Uh, just, uh, just for example, how much goaltending he can do for you. Um, the Sharks ended up with, uh, 896, uh, save percentage, uh, this, uh, this, uh, past season. Second worst in the league, I think. Uh, if the Sharks had had uh, above average goaltending, that's, uh, 91% goaltending, which would have put him, I think, about 10th in the league. That would have been 30 less goals given up. That's a lot of goals, right? And so, you know, that, so that, that, that begins the path. If you can improve your goal inning, that starts, begins, you know, sets you on a path toward a better team. Um, 
also to improving the forward depth, like they mentioned, you know, adding that 3C. Uh, and uh, Doug Wilson has stated that he still believes, and maybe he has to say it because, you know, he's locked in with Carlson for six more years. But Doug Wilson keeps telling us that Carlson is still an elite player. He's uh, the age of Roman Yossi, Drew Doughty, uh, Victor Hedman. Uh, these are all names that Wilson has cited when he's uh, defended uh, Carlson's play to us in the media in the last year. And so if Carlson can have some kind of bounce back, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, 2015, 2017 playoffs out of Carlson, but just, you know, uh, you know, 80%, 90% of the player he's supposed to be, you know, that, that, that could help. Um, and also, too, obviously, you do need some young guys to step up, too. So a combination of a bunch of these things, you know, maybe it does get uh, San Jose kind of, uh, you know, if you save uh, 30 goals off, you know, your your uh, the, the number of goals you give up, that's going to, you know, obviously help you win a lot of games. And that helps you kind of sniff uh, the playoffs. Um, does it make them a cup contender? Yeah, I mean, that's really, really hard to see, you know. Um, and there's a lot of arguments for the Sharks to kind of really go more in the, the rebuild mode instead of the reset mode. But I think that that's sort of the path that they're looking at, uh, and if they do want to get back to the class next year. I know you have a good pulse on the fan base in the city as a whole. How do they feel about that term reset? Like, what's the city's view on it, the fan base's view? I think uh, that the fan base is maybe not being given enough credit. Uh, we talked with uh, uh, the president of the Shark, Jonathan Becker, about a month ago, and he said a flat out that he wasn't sure if, you know, the market would really embrace the team. You know, he didn't use the word reset or rebuild, but just that the market would really embrace the team just basically, you know, no pun, uh, uh, tanking. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I uh, you know, the, the fan base that I, I talk to, I think a lot of them, they, you know, they look at uh, Cap Friendly, Puckpedia, they look at the contract, they look at the performance on the ice, and, and they know that the Sharks are not getting uh, the return on, on what they're spending. Uh, and there's not a lot of uh, hope that they will get that return for the money that Sharks are spending on guys like Carlson and Burns and Vlasic, et cetera, et cetera, because you know, these guys are all 30-plus, and the performance has been declining for, for years. And so I think that the fan base could handle, uh, uh, you know, just say the words rebuild and just, and, and just do it. And, uh, and I think, I think both of the, obviously, you know, it's going to be, the seats will be empty. You're not going to sell out 100%. Uh, you know, you're going to take a, a hit for now. But I think that once you go through the rebuild and you, you know, rebuild wisely, drop wisely, and the team starts getting good again, I think the fans will be back for that. Uh, that's my opinion. I don't know if the Sharks share that opinion. Uh, it was interesting that the president of the Sharks would kind of say that, that he wasn't sure, um, that, as he said, he used a specific example that it's hard to sell a, you know, a three-year, three-season uh, ticket, a three-season uh, season ticket package to somebody when the team's going to be bad. Of course, it's going to be. You know, yeah, that's that's hard to sell. Uh, but of course, you know, when you're talking about rebuilding and trying to win a cup and and you know that long-term plan, it's not a three-year plan, obviously. And so I would say that uh, I think the, the the Sharks fan base can stomach a, a full rebuild. They've never experienced one, really, actually. Uh, because the Sharks have never missed the playoffs uh, more than uh, uh, two years in a row. You know, this year, you know, there's been two years in a row since the Sharks have missed the playoffs. Only the third time in the franchise history that they missed the playoffs two years in a row. Never missed the playoffs three years in a row. Um, so the Sharks fan base has been maybe a little little spoiled in that way. Uh, maybe that, that's what's sort of uh, coloring coloring the Sharks' view of, of all this. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do believe that the fan base can 
can go through a stomach a rebuild if the Sharks wanted to go go through that. But again, I don't think that's what they're doing. I don't think this is a, a reset that's really a rebuild it's just with a different term. I think this is a reset. Uh, I don't think that it's a you know all out kind of thing. You know, I don't think that they're going to sign Gabriel Landeskog or, or or whatever, right, to get themselves back. But I think it's you know kind of uh, treading a middle ground there, where they're going to keep their draft picks and whatnot, uh, but they're not going to you know go through the pain of again that full teardown. You know, Shang, when I look at the Sharks and and watching them play the last couple of years, I'm I'm struggling to figure out what their identity truly is. Is this a team that has an identity right now? Oh, that's a, that's a good good question. Uh, I think uh, uh, Bob Bugner wanted to make them more of a uh, you know attacking the net kind of thing. Uh, a thing. Uh, he emphasized uh, you know Brent Burns and the, and the point shot and that 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 sort of thing. Uh, they want a lot more chances uh, from uh, below the the top of uh, below the dots. Um, and so I you know I think I think those are some things that that Bugner tried to institute. And obviously you see the the, the names on the roster. Uh, Carlson, Burns, Hurdle, et cetera, et cetera. You think this is a high skill team, and I, I think that they wanted to see some of that uh, shine through this uh, this season with some of these kind of systemic uh, kind of changes of, of where they're attacking. And of course, uh, it didn't really materialize. You know, most guys still had down seasons, and team missed the playoffs by a lot. And so, yeah, I, I, I do think there is a uh, there there isn't an identity that they trust. You know, they've tried they try to do things. You know, they try to. Kind of uh, improve the four check. There's 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 a, a micro stats that show the Sharks actually were a pretty good five on five team this year. If you can believe it. Uh, uh, they did a really good job of creating the, these chances that Bugner wanted uh, below the dots. You know, inner slot kind of chances. They created a lot of them. They just didn't finish it. And you know, I think that's one of those chicken egg things of identity too. You know, right? There's things that you want for your identity. But until you have that success with what you're trying to do, you know, you don't really call it identity, right? And so I, I think that, that that's what the Sharks kind of lacked. What they were trying different things, doing different things than before, but obviously uh, uh, they didn't really succeed in, 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 in these things. So, yeah, so I think it is fair to say that right now the team is, you know, lacking a little bit of that identity, um, and they're trying to find it. Um, and, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see if they do with this sort of uh, current cast of characters. Well, Shang, just because you did mention a little bit ago not giving away picks, the San Jose Sharks do have the seventh overall pick in this year's entry draft, eight total selections, picks in every round except for the second. Um, when it comes to those top ten prospects, who do you think is potentially the best fit for the Sharks if you if you have looked up a couple of different names that you think could potentially work there? Well, the Sharks, I don't think, have a very deep system in general. Um <laughs> Of, of the many problems of, of plaguing, afflicting the, 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 the Sharks organization. That's one of them, too. And so they, I mean, I think they need help, help everywhere. But uh, some of the prospects that, that I've liked, uh, that I can see the Sharks kind of going for, uh, you know, William Eklund is, 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 is up there. And I don't know if he'll last to the, 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 the Sharks at number seven. But, uh, you know, Eklund uh, really did a nice job as a, as a teenager in the SHL uh, this past season. And uh, the Sharks are not afraid of uh, dropping smaller forwards. Uh, that's what they did last year. Every pick they used last year was on a forward, and most of them uh, were on forwards, I think, 5'11 or smaller. And so, you know, the Sharks have no no issue with, with that in terms related to, uh, with Eklund. 
Um, I can see them going for Wallstead, too, uh, you know, the, the top goalie in the draft. And not that they would expect him to come in next year, but look, you know, if you're the Sharks and uh, goaltending, you know, has been a, a, a problem for as it has been for the last three years, you know, if you can solve it and well, one fell swoop in the draft, I know there's a lot of reasons not to draft goalies uh, in the first round in the top 10. You know, teams don't really do that. But, you know, in this draft where it's not considered a star-laden draft, considered a weaker draft, you know, if the goalie is the guy that you think is most likely to be a franchise player, then why not, you know, go go for him? Um, so, anyway, uh, those are a couple couple guys that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they went for. Uh, maybe a Dylan Gunther, too, a really good goal scorer. I don't, again, know if he'll he'll last that long, but, uh, you know, he, I think, kind of fits the, the, the Sharks' profile. And so I think I think those are a couple guys that stand out to me uh, at uh, number seven. You know, Shang Peng, we're talking to Shang Peng of San Jose Hockey now. Uh, this is a, a bit of a, a fun question, but a tough one at the same time. You look at Eric Carlson, you look at Brent Burns, you look at Mark Edward Vlasic, and, and those guys are all under contract at pretty heavy uh, cap hits for the next four, five, six years. Um, if you were having to predict which of those contracts may get bought out, or phrased another way, which is the first of those contracts to be bought out? Which one is it? Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure how that's a fun question for for somebody covering the Sharks. <laughs> uh, we have different definitions of fun, I guess. But um, Okay, so uh, which is most likely? Uh, so Burns is the best player uh, of that three, and so even though he has only four years left, uh, Vlasic has five, uh, Carlson has six years left, and Burns is also the oldest, uh, Burns is, is, is also the closest to, to, to still being a top defenseman. And so, and so, yeah, so, so he would seem obvious, but yeah, I don't think he'd be my, my pick for that. I think the Sharks, if they want to, you know, make it a playoffs next year, it's probably going to be because Brent Burns had a good season. Um, so then that leaves Wasik and Carlson. And one of the interesting thing, uh, things about the, uh, the buyout, uh, that I looked up recently is that just teams don't buy out contracts, uh, at when they have five, six years left, you know, at least a non-compliance buyout. Um, before, and you know, Bill Guerin made a mess of this uh, last week, but uh, before <laughs> Guerin bought out um, uh, Suter and uh, Parise at four years left uh, uh, um, earlier earlier this week, there had only been two buyouts in the last 15 years where the contracts had four four years uh, four years left. Uh, non-compliance buyouts again. That's that's an important distinction. Um, and that was uh, out, uh, Alexei Yashin and like. 2007 or 2006 or something like that, and a Kyle Turris uh, last summer. And so even buying out guys with four years left is really unlikely, too. And so, again, Velocic's at five, uh, Carlson is at six. And so then the big question then is, you know, just whose performance has declined the most? And, you know, I guess I, I would say that Carl, I'm sorry, Vlasic, uh is the farthest away from, I guess, uh, uh, high-level play of, of, of these three. And also, too, um, his cap hit, he's at 7.5, uh, or I'm sorry, I think he's at 7, not 7, he's at 7, 7 per, and Carlton's at 11.5. So his cap hit's going to be, uh, or the cap punishment, right, for buying out won't be as bad for Vlasic. So I would go with Vlasic uh, first uh, of the three, but, um, yeah, that is not a fun question at all. That's like, uh, yeah, that's like, like trying to answer a snake pit there to answer that question. 
Well, I think we owe you a little bit of an actual fun question now. So I'm hoping <laughs> Thank you, Stormy. This... I'm, sure you, I'm sure your idea of fun is a lot more better than Ryan's. I'm hoping this will be a little bit more fun just to end on. Of the, of the California teams, which one next season do you think has the best year? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I would a little say off the board. Probably sorry. LA or San Jose. Or is there a caveat? I'm sorry? Oh, no. Okay. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought that. That that, that uh, you you have something else in mind there, or saying something else there. Uh, no, yeah, I think I think uh, you know LA obviously is going for it a bit. Uh, we see that with the trade of Arvidsson, and there's been you know, rumors that you know they they want to kind of uh, uh, turn their rebuild into into, into something else uh, this off season, really get the team uh, you know on on track. Uh, maybe San Jose, you know uh, San Jose, uh, you know if, if they want to stay with their stated goals, a reset and add a goalie, add a third line center. And you know, hope that you know uh, their you know their big name players they, they get a little bit of a bounce back. Not unreasonable. Um, Anaheim looks like they're 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 probably in the in the in the most trouble. But you know, what do I know? You know, last off season, I thought Anaheim was my sleeper pick to make the playoffs in the in the Pacific. So, <laughs> so again, what do I know? Well, hey, Shane, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, even though um, I threw you a, a really tough one at the end there. Uh, <laughs> give everybody here in Vegas an idea of where they can find your stuff. And if you're working on anything right now that, that uh, that's worth that, that fans back in Vegas are interested in. All right. Yeah, uh, so just uh, find me at uh, Shang underscore Peng. And all my work is at San Jose Hockey Now. And uh, I just uh, I did a piece on uh, some of the, the goalies that are hitting the market. Uh, one scout tells me that it wouldn't surprise me if the Sharks went for Grubar, which I don't really understand. But, you know, I guess if you're trying to fix the goalie situation, why not go for the best guy, you know, available? And so, anyway, uh, in terms of uh, relevance to Vegas, I uh, did a piece actually uh, uh, a couple about a month ago talking to a bunch of scouts about available uh, UFA centers. And I know that uh, centers are a big topic of conversation uh, for Vegas right now. They want to improve up the middle a lot. And so that might be something to, to look for. You know, guys that, yeah, maybe the Golden Knights uh, will compete uh, for the Sharks uh, with to kind of uh, help them uh, up the middle. Shang, as always, it is a pleasure to talk to you. you. You do great work, and thanks for joining us here on the Insider Show. Yeah, thanks, Shang. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is the voice of Shang Pang with San Jose Hockey. Now follow him on Twitter at Shang underscore Pang. A great friend of the show, though maybe not after today when I gave him a very difficult question. That was great. That I love that said, so much. Yeah, well, yeah it was, it was <laughs> you fantastic. You needed to ask and he, the he question, did, but it wasn't fun and, for him. And it, and it was a, it was really a lot of, of really good gymnastic work by Shang to kind of – dipsy doodle in and around the question but yeah i mean i, I don't disagree with his logic there if, if you're looking at a contract that's not going to hold up for another five years it would probably be mark edward vlasic's first but let's shift gears to something that is actually very very fun and that is a ticket giveaway for battle for vegas the celebrity softball game that it will be happening on saturday july 24th we've got two tickets to give away courtesy of vegas's fastest growing luxury brand finley volvo las vegas if you want to see team riley smith take on team marcus allen on saturday july 24th be caller number 
702-876-1340 is the number. Caller number five. You've won a pair of tickets to Battle for Vegas next Saturday, courtesy of Finley Volvo. We're back with one-timers next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot. He scores. It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. One-timers getting ready. Got a lot to get to here. But one of the things I love about this segment is it goes in a lot of different directions. And Stormy, you came to me wanting to throw a guest one-timer in. So I'm going to hand it off to you. What do you got for us? (laughs) Yeah, I'm throwing my wrench into the one-timers mix today. So thanks for (laughs) uh, dealing with me and approving of this. But I don't know about you guys, but my timeline has been absolutely flooded with the Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau drama right now. And obviously they've had a feud going on for a long time. But Mm. basically for the background here, DeChambeau said his driver sucks, and Kepka in an interview comes back. I drove the ball great. Love my driver. Obviously, just a sneaky dig back. And so I was curious for you guys, what are some NHL comparables to that PGA drama that's going on right now? So when you kind of brought this to my attention, as, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, the first thing that I think of is Sidney Crosby versus P.K. Subban in the yeah. Stanley Cup final because the the trash talk, while it was perfectly fine, was a little bit more subtle under the radar. There was accusations of bad breath. Like, I <laughs> guess that's where you go. Sure, why not? But, um, I, I mean, the, the closest thing that I think we have here is Ryan Reeves versus Evander Kane. Like, those two guys continue to go at it back and forth. Of course, we get the Muffin Man from it. Like, I think there's a lot to be um, compared to when it comes to Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane. What say you, Chris Chapman? Well, I was going to say Nikita Kucherov versus the world. (laughs) Because... As or we just saw, Vegas fans. Well, Montreal fans, Mark Andre, that that guy in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like everybody. And then apparently Bud Light, and well, Bud Light's his friend actually. That that that's probably the only person yeah. outside of Tampa, or the only thing outside of Tampa, I should say, that he's not fighting right now. But uh, yeah, Nikita Kucherov versus the world. Why not? I like that you, you as well. Go ahead. You know what's really funny about Nikita Kucherov versus the world is like we're, no one's talking about Nikita Kucherov disrespecting Connor Hellebuck or like Winnipeg Jets fans mad at Nikita Kucherov because he couldn't remember Connor Hellebuck's name and he slighted him like how how disrespectful is that to Connor Hellebuck that it's just well he shouldn't have said that about Marc-Andre Fleury and Vegas fans are mad at him and Montreal fans are mad at him but like you're not hearing any for anything from Winnipeg fans they're just pretty chill I was gonna say because it's summertime most of them are probably out in their cottages at the lake and they haven't quite heard the news yet that Kucherov slandered their their goalie but uh, maybe the best goalie outside of the guy in Tampa, right? <laughs> but maybe maybe they just haven't gotten the news yet. Maybe maybe they're out in their cottages at the lake fishing, maybe boating a little bit, and they haven't quite heard. It hasn't traveled there because I know from the people I know who have cottages, they basically shut off themselves from humanity while they're there. So maybe we need some. Oh, some I think I think that's a good way to, to do it, though, right? Summertime, I'm headed to the cottage and I'm turning everything off. Yeah, that's a the good cottage, call. I like it. The, I, I thought yeah, the cottage the, sounds delicious. 
I thought Revo Kane, though, as well, is kind of like my number one that came to mind. I also even, like, Revo's just got it with a couple people from the Sharks because even the Curtis Gabriel stuff this past season when they were both jawing at each other in the box was a lot of fun. And the back and I mean, fun for us. But And another one I know you said, Ryan, uh, when we were kind of talking over this idea was Tom Wilson versus the New York Rangers. And I love that <laughs> <Yes>. one, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Tom Wilson, you can kind of put him really in the mix with a, a number of different teams, but uh, it was certainly at a, a boiling point with the New York Rangers. It was the entire team. They were very much big mad at Tom Wilson. So a, a lot of different places to go. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I think just because we're here in Vegas, I'm going to give it to Ryan Reeves versus Evander Kane. As reported yesterday, the New Jersey Devils acquired defenseman Ryan Graves from the Colorado Avalanche for Michael Maltsev, or Mikhail Maltsev, and a 2021 second-round pick. Chapman, have you come around on this one yet? Well, I, I, I think that the reality is Maltsev is a guy who he's, he's still really young, so it seems like the Devils may be giving up on him. He only gave you nine points in 33 games this season. He was a minus four, so... but. The problem is New Jersey was just so bad that it's really hard to tell if he just isn't very good or if the Devils just are a lot worse than we thought. Maybe a change of scenery will be good for Maltsev. I mean, he's only going into his second year, and he's twenty. Uh -huh. He's going to be 23. So maybe Colorado found the diamond, in the, and they also got a second-round pick for it. So we know their draft history has been pretty good recently. Then again, when you're not very good, you draft. You tend to draft a little bit higher. So, so obviously they've had a little bit of experience with – high draft picks but i think I, I've, I've come around on the graves thing i i think he'll help that team the, the the reality is they need to get better in so many areas that adding a guy like graves is probably gonna help you now you got to go out and, and you got to improve in some other areas because i i really like mackenzie blackwood i think he's going to be a really solid goalie in the league i think the devils really like him but there's just not a lot there yet and you, you got to hope that some of these young stars step up and start to produce a little bit more than they have and, and they mature and they grow and I think Graves is a guy who could be a cornerstone for your D for, for, for a while there if you're New Jersey so I've come around on it I think it's a pretty good deal whether or not it turns out to be a good deal for Colorado I guess we'll have to see yeah, I think it's a good deal. I mean, you know, the, the Avs obviously saw the writing on the wall. Like, this is a trade that doesn't happen unless the Seattle Kraken exists, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But but what the Avs got, I think, is it's not something the Devils are really going to miss. And Graves is somebody who solidified himself as a top four demon on a pretty stacked Avs roster that includes, obviously, the likes of Kale McCarr and Taves. And I, I think that it is good. I think that the Devils kind of need a little bit of bite. I know Golden Knights fans aren't big Ryan Graves fans because of that bite, but I think it's something that would be good for New Jersey. Well, the other the other aspect to look at this from a Vegas Golden Knights fan perspective is Colorado weakened themselves a little bit. You don't really know what you're going to get with Maltsev, whether or not he's a media contributor. Probably not. Colorado weakened themselves, at least in the near future. They have a lot in cap space. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, as of right now, if you're a Golden Knights fan, you got to say, hey, you know what? Colorado just... They took one of their better defensemen and they yep. shipped them away. Yeah. Now the 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 good thing I think for the Colorado Avalanche, not for everybody else, is that they're incredibly deep on the back end. So you know you've got you've got Bo Byron, who's going to probably 
have a bigger role, and you, you've got a lot of guys that you're dealing from a place of strength if you're the Colorado Avalanche. Now, what I like about Ryan Graves is the fact that he's not going to be the type of defenseman that's going to try to push the pace or stretch the ice. He's he's a responsible defender. He's a defensive defenseman, and he plays with a lot of edge and bite to his game. What I also like about the this for the Devils is this is a team with $31 million in cap space. Like, in terms of the Devils and this offseason, if they get serious about bringing in pieces to supplement some of the younger players that they have on their roster, then this is a team that I think can improve exponentially over the course of the offseason. They've got to bring in the right players. And the, the area that I look at for the Devils, beyond anything else, is a goaltender that can help bring along Mackenzie Blackwood. I love... Blackwood. I think he's going to be a very, very good NHL goaltender. But what I think the Devils need is a backup or a, a tandem type of goalie that can come in, win you games, and not have all this pressure on the shoulders of Mackenzie Blackwood. And then from there, depending on what New Jersey loses in the expansion draft, you go out there and maybe you take a run at one of those big UFA names. Maybe this is a team that, that takes a run at, say, a Gabe Landeskog. I don't know, but there's a lot of flexibility right now for the New Jersey Devils, and I think that that's important going into this offseason. Yeah, with Blackwood, if, if if you watch the Devils as much as I have, the, the, you know, while he's been there, there's a lot of nights where he's got like 42, 44 saves, and the Devils are losing like 3-1, to one, and you're like, the guy's playing out of his mind. They yeah. just can't score. I think as they get better, he'll get better, and, and the Devils, I, they're probably not a contender this year. But I think they're going to slowly get that way. And as you mentioned, they've got a lot of money to spend. I'm not really too worried about what they're going to lose in, in, in the expansion draft because they don't really have a lot to lose. And most of what you don't want to lose is, is going to be locked up anyway. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But hopefully soon my Devils return to <laughs> being a good team again. Well, like Shang Peng said, too, the, the market for goalies isn't bad this offseason. So there's some potential yeah. there. But how much do, do you, Chapman, just as a Devils fan, like, do you just salivate at that $31 million in cap space? Like, the p possibilities are endless. Well, it is. And, and and the idea of, hey, maybe you can go out and you can sign a Gabe Landeskog. Maybe you can go out and you can sign a Devin Dubnik to, to, to kind of rotate a little bit with Mackenzie Blackwood. $31 million is so much money yeah. to spend. I mean, I don't think we, we we really think about, wow, they could probably go out and sign four or five pretty solid players and improve instantly. Whether or not yeah. they, they do or not will remain to be seen, but I think it's a fan base that, that's that's been there, and the team knows that they can be successful. Look, you, you, you don't win three Stanley Cups and, and play in two others by just being a pedestrian franchise. This is a team that knows what it takes to win, at least the, the franchise does. So hopefully they're able to go out and they get the job done and, and they go get some guys that are going to help them improve. The Stanley Cup is all fixed. It's <laughs> repaired and it is looking beautiful. Are you guys happy to see Stanley back in action? Oh, yes. We needed to get Stanley back out there. I'm glad he's off the IR. He's feeling good. He's looking pretty. He's shiny. He's going to people's houses. All of that uh, is <laughs> makes for a happy hockey fan, I guess. But, like, I'm trying to think personally, guys, and maybe I'm just going off the rocker. Like, if you had the Stanley Cup for a day, what would you want to do with it? Other, than, I mean, don't drop it like the, uh, he who shall not be named it. But <laughs> what would you guys want to do? Chapman, go ahead. 
I would I would probably take it to my hometown and 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 let everyone that I grew up with have a have a look at it and and maybe take it to the beach, right? Because I grew up really close to the beach. I certainly would not take it on a surfboard with me or do anything crazy like that. But maybe, oh my gosh, that would be such a disaster. Maybe, maybe take it and parade that. it along the boardwalk. <laughs> maybe take it to one of the bars I I, I go to when I go home. But uh, yeah, I think I think a day in, in, in the hometown would be kind of fun, especially because. There, there haven't been a lot of players from New Jersey who've actually had that opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, and and it'd be kind of a spectacle because where I grew up is a very, very tight area. A lot of people know everybody, so it'd be kind of fun. For me, it's it's real simple. It's it's friends and family, small party, just chill out. Like I, I would I would hang out with it. I would talk to it. I'd probably, um, you know give it give it like something to remember me by uh, the stanley cup is so awe inspiring and it's such a cool trophy uh to just be in the same room with so it would yeah. be very low-key and very much just hang out chill out enjoy the stanley cup i like that very good very good i know we have to go to break i'll tell you my guy's idea later those are your one-timers for friday july 16th we're back to wrap it up next Catching up with Chapman on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping it up. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. You are absolutely on fire today, Chris Chapman, with the music. I love it. It's time to catch... It's time to catch up with you, buddy. What do you got? Well, you know, it's funny. I played this song for a reason coming back because it's it's Rock Show by Blink-182, and it's kind of reminiscing about their younger years, and they talk about going to the Warp Tour. Well, I had an old guy moment the other day at the pool. <laughs> I bring my, my my little speaker to the pool, and, and it's the little portable JBL speaker, and I'm, I'm drinking a beer at the pool, and my son decides he's going to come hang out with me at the pool. Mm-hmm. And he tell I'm listening to Stone Temple Pilots, by the way. So not like an okay. old band or by any means. And my son says to me, Dad, you need to turn off the old guy music and put on something a little <gasps> more a little what? more cool. And I'm like, oh my God. Stone Temple Pilots, he considers them old. And I'm like, oh, I saw those guys in concert. Oh, well, they did no. come together in 1989. Did yeah, they really? it's factually that was the- <laughs> correct. It, they, like, they are an old band, Chris. They're not like The Who or The Rolling Stones. No, I mean, that's- those no, no, guys no, have no, been doing a, it for a, 50 years. That's a classic band. Stone Temple Pilots is an old band. Oh, no. Oh. You just have to face it, buddy. You're yeah, he he, he told okay. me to put on some ASAP Rocky or something like that. I'm like, no, what? Oh, at least, <laughs> oh, boy. come on. At least get him on some... I, I let him do what he wants. Yeah, that's <laughs> Hey, Stormy, thanks so much person. for joining us here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Another you fun so day, much. guys. All right, we'll catch you next week on Fox Sports Las Vegas.